Welcome to DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by our friends at Fired Up Culture. There may be no more challenging time to lead than in today's environment, and building a strong, cohesive team is hard. At Fired Up Culture, their tools, their coaching, their expertise empowers DMO leaders to harness the power of culture to lead their organizations forward. You can learn more at firedupculture.com and check out the testimonials from many of your peers about Fired Up. And now it's on to our show. Scott McRae is a lifelong Alaskan who has called the Golden Heart City home for close to 40 years. Raised in logging camps in southeastern Alaska, Scott moved to Fairbanks in 1987 to attend UAF with the intention of just sticking around for a year or so and then transferring to an outside university. And that clearly didn't happen. Scott graduated from UAF in 1994 with a degree in journalism and worked for what was then the Fairbanks CVB for two years before going back to work for the university in a variety of positions from being an admissions counselor, manager of community relations for the Valley Campus, eventually turning up as the Director of University Marketing and Publications. For many years, he was a bi-weekly humor columnist for the Fairbanks Daily News Minor, as well as the newspaper's theater critic. He's been an adjunct professor with the UAF Community and Technical College for close to 20 years, teaching courses in customer service, public relations, and business communications. Scott returned to the visitor industry in 2014, when then Explore Fairbanks President and CEO Deb Hickok offered him the position of Director of Tourism, and as a result, he found his true North Star that quite simply boils down to selling Fairbanks. Scott was promoted to the President and CEO position in June of 2021. Scott is on the board of the Greater Fairbanks Chamber of Commerce, the Alaska Travel Industry Association, and the Destination Marketing Association of the West. Scott McCray, my friend, welcome to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. Uh, now, warm greetings from uh, the far north of Fairbanks, Alaska. Where I understand this morning it was 38 below zero. <laughs> 38 below. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit chilly up here, but it's a dry cold, as I always like to tell uh, tell people. We don't get a wind chill on top of that, so it's um it's much more tolerable than it sounds, and, and certainly a, a beautiful time of year if you're looking to experience an authentic Alaskan winter. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was up there working with you last year, I saw something, and I had you know, as you know, I've traveled the world. I mean, I. <laughs> This shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but I pull into the hotel parking lot and every couple of stalls, I see this little pole and I'm thinking, oh, yes, what is that all about? I'm thinking these can't be throwbacks to horses. And then I realize <laughs> it's where you plug your car in at night in hotel parking lots. It's an absolute necessity if you want that rental to yeah. start in the morning under these uh temperature. Those. Right. And that's not because they're EV. No, no, they're, no, they're not. That's the key. There's a battery blanket. That's because they won't start with gas. <laughs> then you start walking around and looking, you see, you see these extension cords sticking out of all these cars grills. And I go, okay, I get it. You got to plug these things in at night. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know, I tell when someone's new to it, you see a car driving down the road with the extension cord still um, attached to the car and tracking on the ground. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. Uh, we've had a number of conversations over the past year or so as we've gotten to know each other. And engagement is really, really important for all of us. But you've taken it in some interesting directions, which I really would love to share. So 
First question. Like many DMOs, Explore Fairbanks sometimes struggles to make the case to local officials that destination marketing isn't just a nice to have, but it's a critical component of successful community development. And after a year that had its share of public debate in how much would be invested in Explore Fairbanks, you've added a new interesting initiative. You've just launched a weekly local radio show. So give us the backstory of how this past year has evolved and then how you hit upon local radio as a new form of engagement. Yeah, most definitely, Bill. You know, like you touched upon this last year, 2023 for us at Explore Fairbanks, uh, there was quite a bit of public debate, so to speak, with our um, local city government as it pertained to how best to use bed tax revenues that the city collects. And as we kind of went through this conversation with the council and, and with the mayor, we realized that we're trying to educate them on the value of, of what we do. We need to somehow expand that message, expand that outreach to do more to educate just the regular residents here within Fairbanks about the impact the visit industry has you know, on the community from economic impact to um, you know, overall quality of life. Yeah. So we came up with having a weekly half-hour radio show it's on the local AM radio station, KFAR 660, which was the very first radio station here in Fairbanks and has a pretty loyal following of longtime Fairbanks residents. So we knew we'd be reaching a pretty diverse audience base that by and large, we probably don't get much of an opportunity to engage with in our normal day-to-day endeavors. Yeah. And we also wanted to use the show. So the idea was let's have this half-hour radio show to talk about the importance of destination marketing, but we also wanted to use it as an opportunity to allow our business partners, we're a partnership organization, to give them a chance to be able to tell the story about their respective business, you know, how they get in the visit industry and the importance of the industry to them. So each month, the show is sponsored by a different business partner, which has the added benefit of us um, of being able to state that we don't use any bed tax funds <laughs> that we receive for this advocacy effort. This is being supported by a private enterprise. Yeah, I love that. So what that sponsorship allows, the partner gets a chance. They have a 30-second commercial spot that airs for each show that month. And then they're the featured guest on one of the shows for the month. And And a big focus when we interview the business partner is to get the message across to the listeners that what they have to offer, it's not just for visitors to our community. This is something that residents here in Fairbanks can enjoy. So this month we had a local ice fishing snowmobile tour operator talking about sure. here's the opportunities for you know people who are new to the Fairbanks area, longtime residents. They've never gotten out and experienced this winter adventure. Here's a chance to them to do so. And not just so much too in these interviews, we call them conversations more than interviews. It's not just getting that message across about what their business offers, but the story behind how they got into the, the business, you know, the story of why they started this endeavor. And the cool thing is, you know, we're very much a small business market. You know, I think 90% of our business partners are small businesses. So there's so many good stories though. So there's the former professional dog musher, who did like the Iditarod, who now has converted what they used to do as, you know, racing, something they offer for visitors, sharing the love for the outdoors, for their sport with visitors. So there's there's just some really good stories to tell, and radio is such a good format to do that. And that's why I love what you've done with this, because you're right. There are those who will say it's passe and nobody listens, but it really is the number one medium when you're in your car, or oftentimes for some people when they're at work. 
And I love the fact that you've got other people sponsoring so it doesn't come out of tourism-related tax revenues, right? Yep, absolutely. So there's that. Yeah. But people love backstories of makers and entrepreneurs and those people who are doing cool stuff. So there's that story and then the ability towards the end probably, and I've listened to a couple of the episodes and I love them, that you bring them back around where they say, you know, if it wasn't for the tourism economy, I probably couldn't make this work. Yeah, it's and if great. it wasn't for Explore Fairbanks, yeah. especially over these past couple of years, this really would have been tough. Yeah. And to just reinforce on a constant basis that this organization is way more than just an ad agency. And I think that's where so many of our community leaders make the miss, right? That they think you just buy an ad. Yeah. It's so much more it's than much, that. And so I think that through that. radio, you've been able to really do that. Yeah. And what we do too. So with the show, so, you know, like I said, it's one show a month. We pre-record them. It's not a live show. It airs on Saturday. So I kind of wish sometimes we did that live component so we could, you know, engage the listener in, in uh, some way. So for those other shows, you know, we'll sometimes we'll go on, you know, we'll have the team here within Explore Fairbanks, our tourism team, our comm team, go on and kind of right. toot our own horn, which, you know, I think DMO sometimes we don't do enough of that as necessary to no, we don't. be proud of what we're doing and broadcast that out there to a larger audience. But then we'll bring in interviews with people who are entities that are indirectly connected to the industry in some way. So park rangers, someone from the local government parks and recreation, the director of the Fairbanks International Airport and make that connection that there's not just direct connections to business in the community, but there are these indirect, you know, benefits as well. That's a nice way for us to get that message out too. And I think it's also a way to exude community pride. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Very cool. I, I love it. And what we like about it too, Bill, is um, it's this really good example of how we're utilizing the hidden talents of our team that they don't necessarily get a chance to use in their day-to-day jobs. So our PR manager, Jerry Evans, before he joined Explore Fairbanks, he spent most of his career in radio broadcast. He's a member of the Alaska Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame. My director of tourism meeting sales, Bill Wright, has a lengthy career in broadcast journalism as well. So why not tap into those talents here you bet. that are on the team that aren't necessarily part of their job description, but you know they play an important role in the greater good of the organization? Yeah. I know it's hard oftentimes in any kind of media to prove return on investment. But anecdotally, what are you hearing off the street about people saying, hey, I heard the show or I, I didn't know this about Fairbanks and now I do? What are you hearing on the street? The response has been minimal, I will say, but by and large, the response that we have gotten, emails or people just stopping at, at the store saying, oh yeah, I heard you guys' new radio show. I, you know, I really um, enjoy it. What we're going to look at trying to do here moving forward is to get a sense, okay, who's listening? <laughs> is to, you know, offer up a, an opportunity. You know, if a listener stop by our visitor center, say, I heard you on KFAR, they can enter in for a drawing, possibly a, a travel package put together by that month's business partners. So we get a better sense of, okay, who's listening to this show, you know, and then that also engages them with us too. You know, they're coming to our visitor center, which they might not have gone to before. So we're looking at doing that moving forward, just to kind of get a better sense of what the ROI is. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. So it doesn't stop at radio. So here's your second question. Community engagement flows through all three of your questions today. You've been debating the opportunity to flip your membership program to partnership for a few years now. And this past year, 
you pulled the pin. It's always a balancing act with the possibility of losing revenue, which rarely happens, but it could, versus higher connectivity and promotability. So how did you finally come to the decision and how has it been received? Yeah, Bill, you know, like you said, you know, told you, this is something we've talked about for many years within our organization, this idea of offering up some sort of complementary membership level. And this last year, you know, again, in the wake of, you know, some of the political challenges we had, this is a really good time to go ahead and finally, finally do it. You know, we spent a lot of time researching it, you know, looking at what other DMOs had done that moved to a similar model and engaging our board. You know, my approach initially, I was coming in <laughs> guns blazing to told my team, let's just blow up our entire partnership model and do something new. And they said, well, maybe let's start off here. So, oh, okay. And they do that quite a bit right. <laughs> with me. So in November, we launched a new, uh, what we call an associate level membership. And the way it's structured is we made it complementary for businesses that are located within the Fairbanks North Star Borough. So in Alaska, we have boroughs instead of counties. And mm-hmm. the idea behind that making a connection to bed tax. We receive bed tax revenues from the government entities within the borough. So the way to acknowledge that as a way, we're going to help use those bed tax to help these small businesses within our community better amplify their marketing efforts. But then we made it $25 for businesses outside the borough just to make that connection there with the, the bed tax there. So what they get for it, the business gets a listing on our website with a limited narrative um, an image, hyperlinks to you know to their own website and social media, receive all of our e-news, industry updates, opportunities to participate in our educational events, inclusion and in travel trade and media fam tours. And they can participate in, we have different committees under our board of directors, but they can't actually run for the board or be a voting member of the organization. So it's a pretty good deal. And you'd mentioned, was there a concern over potential revenue loss. And the mindset behind it is that we hoped by introducing them to the local visitor industry family, making them aware of all the other benefits that we have to offer them. Once we bring them in at the associate level, they say, this is good. I want to take the next step and become a, you know, a dues paying partner. So that of course, and take some time to see if that methodology comes to play. But we didn't really have a big concern about revenue loss and looking at other DMO case studies, that seems to be seldom that that's really happened. Yeah. And I think that's it is, you know, the whole concept that you would have existing members say, oh, I'm just going to drop down to the lowest level and just be associate. Yeah. And what's interesting, we actually, because we're in our partnership renewal, we actually had a couple of partners, they're both outside of the borough who are looking at dropping their membership altogether. And then we offered them up this associate level. So they came back in to the fold. We've lost them all together, but we managed to get them in at that $25 level. And first, you know, the reason why, you know, this again, I think this is what DMOs strive for when they're doing this is we're trying to give the visitor to our destination the most accurate picture of all that our destination has to offer them. So big one being restaurants. If you go to our website, go to our print visitor's guide, it only represents a pretty small fraction of dining options that Fairbanks actually has to offer. So bring in more of those businesses on board, visitors going to our website and say, oh, wow, look at all these different options that are available within Fairbanks. And then secondly, using it as an opportunity to engage more businesses and again, by and large, small businesses into being a part of the regional visitor industry and uh, let them benefit from the successful marketing machine that we have in place. Yeah. So we'll have to check back in in a year or so and you can actually prove that this worked. Yeah. In most cases it does. It's you give them that taste 
And then they realize what they've been missing for all these years by not being a member of the organization. So, And we do have some work to do on promoting this more. I mean, you know, internally we view this, wow, this is a big deal, you know, that we're doing this. And we thought almost of a, if we build a day will come that as soon as we launched this, we'd be overwhelmed and it's been, oh, it's coming in kind of slow. So we, <laughs> we have work to do, even though, you know, it's a complimentary, we have work to do to educate these other businesses. Well, here's the value. Here's what happens when you join on at, at this level. And you know, we restructured our visitor services and partnership development. They're now visitor and community engagement. Our community engagement manager, that's one of her primary tasks is to be out there hitting the pavement, so to speak, to make that one-on-one -on -one connection with these businesses that we want to become a yeah. part of the Explore Fairbanks family. And that's always the balancing act, isn't it? That you've got to put people on the street, boots on the ground, to walk into those businesses, interact with the owner or the manager, and yet resources are tight. You need that revenue to go into other, into research, into marketing, into sales, all the stuff that you do. And that's the unfortunate balancing act because you've got something there. We all do in destination marketing. We've got a product yeah. that those small businesses desperately need. It's just getting FaceTime with them so that they understand where the opportunity lies. Yeah, exactly, Bill. And we realize now, okay, this will take yeah. some time to get up to the numbers that we want, but we're putting the resources into making it happen. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so unlike a lot of communities, you have a large cohort of semi-permanent residents, and your community has been named one of the top five American defense communities. Share with us some of the programs you've designed to welcome our servicemen and women who arrive in your community each and every week of the year. Yeah, you bet, Bill. So here in the Fairbanks North Star Borough, we have, um, we're home to two different military installations. We have the Fort Wainwright, which is the Army Post and Ielsen Air Force Base. And, you know, certainly military is, is an important part of how we became a developed community going back to the strategic role Alaska played during World War II. And certainly now with the U.S. military focus on the, uh, on the Arctic. And overall, the military population, though it is indeed a transient population, it makes up about 20% of our overall yeah. population. We are most assuredly definitely a, a military proud community. There's examples of visitor entry businesses to others offering up military discounts. One of our biggest, most attended events each year is the Military Appreciation Banquet, uh, which kind of combines you know civilians and military together. But we were interested in trying, what more can we do for these newcomers here who are coming up to Fairbanks for their three years to make them feel a part of the greater Fairbanks community. So my predecessor, Deb Hickok, about four years ago, worked in conjunction with the military leaders and stakeholders, such as the Chamber of Commerce, the university, local mayor's office, to put in place a weekly newcomers Fairbanks orientation tour for new Fort Wainwright soldiers and their families. We haven't yet expanded it to the um, Air Force side, but we're working on doing that. And really the goal is being to help educate and inform them on all the community has to offer and encourage them during their time that's stationed here to not just stay on post, it's an open post, but get out into the community. This is your home, you are welcome here and here's what we have to offer. The tours, it's every Friday morning, groups, it ranges, you know, sometimes it's less than a dozen, other times it's more than 40. So they come on a bus from the army post, start off here at our visitor center for welcome remarks from a local dignitary. And I have to say, the very first time I did a, a welcome remark, because I guess I fit in that 
local dignitary category, went before there was a group of, um, you know, 30 to 40, and so young. Oh, boy, they're so young. And I said, well, good morning, loud voice. And they replied back, good morning, sir. And I, I looked over at my staff members. I said, that's the way you greet me in the, that's right. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> so they have the welcome remarks there. And then they get out on a bus. And the bus takes them about an hour and a half tour around Fairbanks, showing them the different parks and recreation. Here's where the local hockey team plays. Here's the hospital. They go up to the university. So kind of a Fairbanks 101. And just, again, the overall message is, this is your home. You are welcome here. Please try to get out of the community while you're stationed here. And we thank you so much for your service. And what a great welcome on their first weekend in Fairbanks. And that's why you're one of the top five friendliest yeah. military destinations, because you're doing it right. And you know, not many of us listening to this conversation have military bases in our backyard. But it occurs to me that what you're doing with the military, and they're there for three years, is very, very transportable to those of us who have college campuses. And there's a lot of us that have those. And those individuals are with us, most of them, for four years. And if you can do the right kind of welcome in that first week when freshmen are scared, they don't know where they are, it's, it's a whole new experience, it just is that embrace that hopefully causes them not to feel scared to go downtown. Absolutely. And even bigger than that, Bill, you know, Alaska has the highest per capita of veterans, you know, in the country. So a lot of these um, young soldiers, their families who are newcomers to Fairbanks, they oftentimes decide after the time here, okay, when I'm done, this is where I want to live. This is where I want to raise my family. So yeah. it kind of ties in, you know, to more aghast, you know, the philosophy there about you know, building a place where people want to visit, you build a place where they want to live. It's kind of similar in that way. Yep. This is a place where they want to be stationed, and eventually that's a place where they want to live. You know, it's exciting that you say that because I've heard the same thing at some of the bases in the southeast of America where they did their time there for whatever length of time it was, and then they come back to retire there. I'm thinking of you know, areas like South Carolina, Georgia, some of the military bases there. And you can see that because when people retire, they want to get back to the warmth. And yet, isn't it fascinating that the people who served in Fairbanks want to come back to Fairbanks, even in their retirement age, uh, when most people head south? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It says a lot for your community. It does. Yeah, it does. I think just the allure of Alaska, you know, all together definitely helps there too. Then also think too, with, you know, educating them what Fairbanks has to offer is, you know, I always ask the question of them, you know, how many of you have friends or relatives back home who can't wait to come here and visit you? They're pretty much all raise their hand. So yeah. there's also a connection to the VFR market too, with, you know, with these newcomers to the area. All right. Well, I tell you what, love the engagement that you're doing on so many different levels, but we got to get to your bonus round question. So just like an episode just at the end of last year where Think Iowa City's Josh Schomberger had a moment in time that is on tape somewhere, but not on YouTube, but he knows it exists. You had one of those too. Yours was an ESPN2 <laughs> tape, and we've got to find it somewhere, right? Yes. Okay, this ESPN2 <laughs> tape from your younger years showcases your athletic prowess in an unusual race 
you, my friend, are the three-time winner of the Chattanooga Outhouse races. Yeah, okay, you've got to tell me how that all comes about. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's on the top of my resume for certain. Uh, <laughs> yes, there is, um, outside of the city of Fairbanks, there's what used to be a pretty thriving mining community back in the Gold Rush days called Chattanooga. And they used to, they haven't done it for quite a number of years now, but they put on a kind of a winter. So your record is secure. Yes, my, right? I think the record is, is secure, my trifecta there. But they put on an event in, you know, during the month of March called Chattanooga Days. And the, the highlight of that was the Chattanooga Outhouse Race. It involves a team of four, two kind of polling, two pushing. It involves an outhouse, which can be an actual outhouse that's placed on skis, Um Oftentimes, I, I've seen before, like the university engineering students would design an ultra lightweight aerodynamic outhouse. So you have to have that's the, not fair. It is not fair. I agree. Uh, <laughs> so you got the four there, you got the outhouse, and then you have to have a fifth person who sits inside the outhouse. And they must have two things they must be wearing a helmet because safety first, and they must have a roll of toilet paper, which I guess also safety first. <laughs> And it was a mile long course. Um, it was head to head. So it was, you know, uh, shifts of, of two there to go down. It was, there was go down a hill and, and down a trail. And this will always be, my wife always jokes if I go on Jeopardy when I get, you know, asked the question, you know, tell us something interesting about yourself. I'll have, this will be my lead. Yep. <laughs> the Chattanooga Outhouse race. And then she asked, well, what about the next time you go on? I said, well, I'm going to be a one rounder if I ever make it on Jeopardy. <laughs> so yeah, it was a one mile race. I was with a team of, um, I was a pretty active competitive runner. So it was a bunch of us runners who had put together a team, which kind of gave us a leg up because most of the competition didn't take it seriously. I wouldn't say they were necessarily athletic. They'd be, you know, smoking cigarettes at the beginning of the race and probably a little on the tipsy side. Right. So we did have a leg up, but we did have our biggest competitor was the local rugby team. Um, we went head to head with them a, a couple of years. One year it almost broke out of fisticuffs, which I'm thankful never transpired because some skinny long distance runners going to get up against some burly rugby players, we would have yeah. been, we would have been toast, but we yeah. did back in the nineties that we had a three-year run there, which is, I don't know if it's my greatest achievement ever, but it's one I'm very proud of. Which nobody can ever take away from you. No, they can't. And as you mentioned, ESPN, <laughs> so Larry Zonka, um, we actually did a sports travel show on ESPN two back in the day. And he came up and filmed a segment of it, which it's on VHS somewhere. But where that VHS is in my storage, I, I don't know. Somewhere. I don't know. When I hang up my uh, consulting uh, skates, I think maybe that's my next calling, is trying to find all these old VHS tapes <laughs> that I keep hearing about. Right? <laughs> They're out there somewhere. <laughs> it is. It's there somewhere. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for sharing how you're engaging your various communities to better understand and support what so many of us on this side of the aisle take for granted. You know, we can't. And you've given us some really interesting thought starters uh, that I think many of us can take a look at as we continue to build our um, outbound outreach engagement uh, efforts. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Bill. And you know, like, you know, a lot of what we've transpired came from conversations I've had with you and conversations, you know, with colleagues at at, at DI. So it's always grateful to have that network. You know, we're up here. <laughs> 
in the middle of Alaska, sometimes isolated from the rest of the DMO world in the country. So it's always great to have the opportunities to engage and uh, learn from others who've, who've been doing this. And that's one of the great parts about Destinations International and DMA West, right? Absolutely. Networking is what it is. So thanks again, Scott. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers that we are back and looking forward to sharing, as we said on the original website, innovative ways to tell people where to go. Past episodes of DMOU are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcast platforms. So subscribe on your preferred platform and you'll get notified the minute the new episodes drop. Thanks again to this episode sponsor, our friends at Fired Up Culture. There may be no more challenging time to lead than right now, and building a strong, cohesive team is hard to do. At Fired Up Culture, their tools, their coaching, their expertise empowers DMO leaders to harness the power of culture to lead their organizations forward. Learn more at firedupculture.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to our book, Destination Leadership, the Z Newsletter, our position papers on board diversity and the future of community marketing, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU and the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.